Everyone's known a boy like Stanley Coopersmith. Evil speak. He's the kid everyone used to pick on. Screwed up for the last time, Cooper Dick. Evil speak. You see, everyone thought Stanley was a joke. <laughs> An outcast with no one to turn to. You guys broke my catapult. You're gonna pay for that. No one except man's most advanced machine. Stanley used the power of man to call on the powers of evil. I, Stanley Cooper Smith, command you! Oh my God. And all hell broke loose. Creatures with your strength and force, let them avenge me. To the bloody pit. I am Rod Barnett, and gathered around the table are three lunatics. Uh, we've done this before. We'll do it again, uh, probably with more energy next time. Because, well, one of us picked the movie this time, and we always know it's a mistake when he does this. John Hudson. John Hudson, how are you doing? Now I don't like this immediate tone. <laughs> <laughs> immediate tone. Immediate tone. Did we did we remind you that you made us watch this movie? You should be thanking me for making me watch this movie. Okay, to be honest, I can't I can't go too far out of line here because I do own this on Blu-ray, and I owned it not because you asked me to watch it again, but because I found it cheap about two years ago and went, eh, what the hell. This movie's great. I'll, I'll spoil it now. This movie's great. Oh, he's well, spoiling yeah. it. Also also <laughs> joining us is the, uh, the pseudonymous, I think I'm mispronouncing that, I think you got it right. Eh, close. I'm in the ballpark. It's better than it's better than my Spanish, French, and or Latin. Hear uh, that, folks? We're using code names. <laughs> <laughs> We're using code names. Code names. <laughs> this is uh, this this across the table in the other direction is Bobby Hazard. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. For those of you that uh, don't don't know why I have a pseudonym is because I have a corporate job, which is uh, currently beating me the fuck down. Mm, I know what that feels like. Um. And uh, not only have I gotten beaten down by my job this week, but I've also been beaten down by seeing this fucking movie. <laughs> now see, I can see that we're on the same page. I... This is... Now look, look, look. As much hell as we're going to give you, and trust me, you have no idea how much hell you're going to get. Well, I'm ready to give it back. I can fight for this. I, I will say that in the realm of, my God, this is not good... This is at least on the enjoyable end of the, oh my God, this is not good. I can have fun with a movie like this because it's in there trying. There's there's pigs. So what I'm hearing you say is this movie is enjoyable and fun. 
you, you missed the first part. There's a first oh, part there. Okay. Did you miss? Yeah, you that first part that qualifies everything that came after it. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Okay. He missed right, that. Do you want to know what my favorite part of the movie was? The nudity. The the end. <laughs> well, I'm going to get this anecdote out of the way now because there's no way I couldn't tell this story. Okay. All, All right. right. What do you got? One of the in my I met my wife in April of whatever year it was. <laughs> Oh, the, oh, the memories. This the is memories. Hudson. He does not remember what year you, you oh, met. Oh, God. No, poor, no, no. Poor but woman. I met her in, in an April. Okay. And in October, the Belcourt, the local art house theater, was having horror movie double features and matinees. Like, they had Vincent Price films all month. And they were doing midnight double features, one feature at 10 and one at 12. Right. And we went to see one. I can't remember which one it was, but there was another one. It was going to be Evil Speak and The Craft. Okay. Now, I knew she and she'd never seen either one of them. I knew she'd like the craft. So, mm. okay, well, we'll go see this. Well, I like Evil Speak. I, I think you might. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> she did not. And she has never let you forget. No, that. no, because now when I say, "Oh, this movie's good," is it good or is it Evil Speak good? <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie eight okay. years later, yeah. I'm still hearing about Evil Speak good. Well, she, which to me means, yeah, is it good or is it really good? Uh, I think that's what she means. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I mean, you're, I, once again, it's like earlier. You seem to be able to mentally edit portions of statements out of what people are saying to you so that you hear what you wish they said. And I don't know that that's, that's probably unhealthy. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that you're mentally deficient. But I'm leaning in that direction. Well, y'all better, y'all better not pick on me too much, or I'm gonna take my Commodore 64 and go to the basement. <laughs> was that? A, well, we do have a basement here. I don't know. I, I thought it was. An, I thought it was an I Apple. Think, it might have been. I think it was like know. a really early Apple because it, I can kind of remember. It might have been. It was a really early that, one. Uh, yeah, the shape of it. It kind of looks. Like, I, I I could be wrong, but I think it was an Apple of some sort. Of it looked like a Commodore to me because when I was taking notes, I made a mention of the Commodore 64. Oh well. I, I, could could easily have been. I can tell you this. Clint Howard admitted in an interview that he didn't know what the hell he was doing when he was faking typing all that shit. And it's like, trust me, we knew. <laughs> you weren't typing a damned word. We know. It was all just you whacking on keys. Which well, which is what wrong. a lot of us do now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's called tubing. Tubing. <laughs> That's yeah. what it's called now. So, uh, folks, this came, this film came out in 1981, and for some reason I had it in my head that it was a 1983 film, but I was I was wrong. I, I honestly thought it was a little later than that. What? Uh, the Japanese release was in 1981. It actually came out in 1982 in the U.S. Oh, I know, it's like December, January, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the, lucky um, Japanese, man. They had it so good. <laughs> yes, yes. We beat them in World War II, and we keep inflicting pain upon them. It is true. <laughs> They're always innovators. They eat all the good stuff before we do. Yeah, but, but they can't show pubic hair. Those, Did you want to see Clint's pubic hair? <laughs> no, I'm just saying they can't. <laughs> well, uh, if you if you want to talk, you know, two pays, we kind of do see his pubic hair. In That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Nevertheless, I would like to point out that since this is an early '80s film, it has. Um, well, let's get a few things out of the way. This is what a, an early '80s independently produced horror film shot. In California, on some in, on some pretty good locations, they 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 got some great places to shoot this in. Let's be let's be clear, but this is what a million dollars would get you in 1981, or in the late 70s you get Halloween. 
for even less. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween didn't cost a million dollars. So even accounting for inflation, the disparity in quality is pretty stark, nevertheless. Well, John Carpenter wishes he'd had Clint play the shape. (laughs) Sure he did. No, he needed somebody with an extra two feet of height. (laughs) Height. Oh my lord! This is this ain't gonna go well, is it? This, <laughs> this is gonna be an interesting one for all. This of us. is this an uphill sled the whole way. But I will say I, I do enjoy huge chunks of this film, even some of the parts that I think are gloriously bad. Now you talk about <laughs> being stupid enough to introduce this theatrically to, to, to Laura. Well, a couple of weeks ago, of course, I had to sit down and watch this film, and I I, I conned Beth into watching it with me. And I said, well, well, you know, let's, let's, let's check this out. And I, I kind of front-loaded it with, I'm not sure, you know, da da da, da. So, for those of you who are unaware, you're blessed. Uh, the movie opens in the Dark Ages in California with some monks. It's all wrong. Now, it's a Spanish monks. Yeah, Spanish in monks in California, which all, all, all checks out. And, and I thought that you would be into this right off because we're talking Spanish horror right there. Which you they love. are they are speaking Spanish. I do love the fact that they didn't they didn't force Richard Mull to learn any Spanish. They just keep him quiet. I was about to say, is Richard Mull Spanish? His character is supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's the least be... Spanish looking person I've ever seen in my life. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, Bobby, intimidating. Think, yes, but do you think he's better in this or in Dungeon Master? Uh, ah, good those question. Are, those are two brutal movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. This one has more juice, I think. But less Blackie Lawless. But less Blackie Lawless. No, but here's the not. thing. The, the, best, uh, the best part of Dungeon Master was the boss footage. Mm-hmm. Everything else was... And the best part of this movie terrible. was the end. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, the end of this movie is the best part. I, I'm going to say, if you had to compare both movies side by side, this movie would be better than the Dungeon Master. See, I kind of think so, too. Yeah, yeah. And don't worry, that doesn't mean I'm going to pick Dungeon Master for our next viewing party. That's just... <laughs> That's not no, what's going on. No, no, <laughs> no. We're not I'm not going to do that. No, no. no. <laughs> not, uh, I'm not Hudson. Let's put it that way. So You can only dream, my friend. <laughs> well, so we're sitting there, and I know that any, in any film that's going to eventually, because I've not told her this, involve a woman being attacked in a shower by pigs, I'm going to have to ease her into this movie with... Something that, that'll get her kind of on the movie side as far as a piece of entertainment. And luckily, this film did it for me without me even realizing what was going to happen. Because I had forgotten how bad the first special effect in the movie is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, the movie begins. Hundreds of years ago, a satanic leader, Father Lorenzo Esteban, who's played by Richard Mull of, yes, people of Night Court and a blue bajillion other things. His, he and his followers are, are uh, brought out onto a beach by a church official and the, the uh, well, there's, there's, there's at least one soldier there. <laughs> they, they've wedged some poor guy into a conquistador outfit. Uh, on the shore of Spain, now they say it's Spain, but we all know it was shot in California, telling them they're banished from Spain and denied God's grace unless they renounce Satan and their evil ways. Now, at that point, of course, we are presented with a, uh, a what I'm assuming is a black mass held there on the beach. I, I, I didn't know you could do that, but I guess you can hold a black mass anywhere. Pretty sure you can. 
So any you can. Hey, you got more knowledge than me. I'm just gonna let it fly. I just had I mean, a black mass here before we started. <laughs> that would explain a lot. Any time that two or more are gathered in His name, <laughs> and hold the cross upside down. <laughs> See, I'm trying to get people on board at my corporate job, but apparently they're not very much into that. <laughs> not joiners, I take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, at any rate, so one of his followers steps forward, and it's uh, it's the, probably the most attractive female there, and she, you know, kneels before him, bears her breasts, and then he chops her head off with a sword as as a, as an offering to you know the mighty Satan. Because you know, showing your boobs and getting your head chopped off go hand in hand. I just... I have always understood that to be true, which is why puberty was such a confusing time. <laughs> yeah, it was tough for me. It was rough. See, these movies like this, they teach you that the sight of breasts means that you're about to die, and so immediately everything shrivels up. It's awful. It's awful. It's it, it, it's it's probably why you know serial killer was listed as a possible thing on my resume <laughs> for a future career. But that explains a lot of what went on with me back when I was younger. <laughs> That just explains a lot right there. Ah, the combination of sex and death. Always a classic. But, as I said, this is the first, like, few minutes of the movie. And and luckily, Beth sees what's coming and kind of averts her eyes away from the head being cut off. And I just kind of chuckled and I I went, I paused the movie immediately and I went, Beth, I need you to watch this. And backed it up. And so she, she gave me this look and she looked at the screen. And as soon as the terrible beheading special effects happened, she chuckled and she went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that allowed me to get over the, uh, the, uh, the, the pig attack in the, the pig attack in the, in the shower later in the film. I was like, aha. Now, didn't you love, though, the cut between the head flying up in the air and then it turns into a soccer ball? That is genius. That well, that was hilarious. I mean, I'm serious. That is, I love it when people can do things like that. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a, a truly a great shot. Very yeah. Kubrickian. You are correct, sir. I was going to mention the uh, the the bone in the air and yeah. turning into the spacecraft. So but I really did think that was a great shot. It was. <laughs> so I just want to state, uh, you guys made me think of the the things that Mrs. Hazard has uh, not tolerated <laughs> watching me. Oh God. So, uh, one of the more recent ones was the El Duce tapes. <laughs> oh, God. I almost made us a take <laughs> Oh, right he almost snorted. I haven't seen the El Duce tapes, but I've seen plenty of El Duce over the years, and that's really enough <laughs> to know where we're going with this. I have another funny story about that if you guys want to hear it, or I'll skip it. But <laughs> what, what, what did you do to your poor beloved? Uh, she watched about 20 minutes of it and goes, I can't handle this. I went, I understand. <laughs> you really... So I will put this away from when you're asleep. Another one was Last House on the at the end of the beach or Last House on the Beach. Is that the uh, is that the? Um, it's a rape and revenge movie with the uh, 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 love lock in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was way more rape than revenge. There was probably like five <laughs> minutes of, of no, no, revenge. No, no, yeah, the only revenge is literally the last five or six minutes of the movie. And don't get me wrong. It's visceral enough when you get to it. It's just like, wow, we we really need this earlier to, so that I don't feel so fucking and disgusted. Even so. I'm a little uncomfortable with it because with those kind of things, as long as there's a good enough revenge, yeah, it justifies the beginning of it. But this one was just so 
lascivious, I guess is the way you say that word. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, Mrs. Hazard, she just was uncomfortable and then decided to try to go to sleep, but all she could hear was women screaming the entire time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I just have to watch this all the way through once, and I'll never see it again. Because I don't own this, by the way, people. I, oh, I used well. to do a Netflix DVD, and I got it from there. Well, I think that's how I saw it as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was not a fun one. <laughs> so... We would just like the public in general to know that we are horrible partners to the women in our lives. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and force them to see things that they probably were better off never seeing. But the night that I watched uh, this movie, uh, I was coming hey, up from work. I was about to say, you're, you're almost refusing to speak its name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the evil that shall not be spoken. evil that shall not be spoken. <laughs> Um, I had to. It's out of print, so I had to borrow a DVD copy from Mr. Okay. Hudson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a few days ago, I was like, "Okay, I finally I got to do this. I got to do this." And I'm like, <laughs> "So I'm doing this." And she's like, "I'm going to bed." <laughs> she knew. She knew. <laughs> she could sense the vibes. She also has avo- luckily avoided me watching all the cannibal films around her too. So, <laughs> and, and see, I can understand that. I mean, I. I uh... On the, well, we uh, I covered with uh, Adrian Smith. He he wanted to talk about several years ago Cannibal Holocaust, and it's like I like I own the film. I've seen the film. I, you know, I know enough about the film to know that that's something I'm never going to put in front of you know anybody that I want to actually continue to live with me. And so my first question to Adrian in that episode of the, of the podcast was, "So Adrian, you wanted to he wanted to cover this movie. Why exactly? <laughs> I think I listened to that. Yeah, and." They're, they're, I won't even say an acquired taste. They're a taste that you either have an interest in sampling or here's a, here's a little hint for the, for the uninitiated. If you know someone whose favorite movie is an Italian made cannibal movie from the late seventies, avoid them, (laughs) avoid them. That is not a mentally healthy person. If they express an interest in them and can tell you what they what they gleaned from those films in a way that sounds coherent, you're probably okay. But if someone honestly tells you Cannibal Holocaust or Eaten Alive or any of those films is their favorite movie, they have people buried somewhere that are not supposed to be dead. So you should probably try to avoid them. Just to, you know, consider it a public service announcement. That being said, uh, Cannibal Fee Rocks is a great party movie. <laughs> well, all of them are. Well, no, Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust is not. Cannibal I, Holocaust is not because it's no. Just, there's no way to actually like watch that and feel anything other than horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the human condition, the state of the planet. Yeah, it's it's yeah yeah it's true. And I have a feeling you'll edit most of this out, but I'm just gonna say uh, which which movie is the one where the guy's fucking the pig? Oh, oh, that's Mountain of the Cannibal God. Okay, yeah. or the um, pig fucking movie. <laughs> it's it's one or the other. But uh, see, that's not that that is is so obviously a fake scene. It is, but it's but hilarious. It's, but which means that there is actually a scene in that movie that, as much as I respect the director Sergio Martino, yes, he has he has ball facedly looked into a camera and lied about another scene in the movie and claimed that they weren't forcing this snake and this monkey in front of the camera so that the snake could kill and eat the monkey. And it's like, dude, we, we saw the movie, all right? 
even when they were talking to you about the scene, they were intercutting it. They were intercutting your statements, denying that you did this, showing that clearly somebody was doing it, and it's your name it wasn't on the a movie. Book and a rope. No, no, no. It was like a, it was like a stick, and there's a really bad special effect hiding the fact that there's like a stick shoving the damn monkey at the snake. That's you, right. That's right. How did the monkey beat this? The snake beat the monkey, right? Oh yeah, yeah. This oh, this, yeah. this snake did away with that monkey. Oh, so okay. So this is clearly not an invisible chimp that was fighting the snake. That... <laughs> I opened the fucking yeah. door, <laughs> folks. High five. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode <laughs> where we were going to cover Evil Speak. And wow, Alita, now the cat is staring at the ta- staring at me over the table like, like it knows it knows what's living in my dark heart. Anyway, uh no look away, Alita. Uh, look away, Alita. It's terrible, but don't don't look at me like that. People is only gonna get worse from here. It probably is. Well we need to get back to Evil Speak because we got some good stuff to talk about here. That's debatable. Can I uh can I just interject here before we get started? I just want to go through the video nasty thing real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This was an yeah. of, one of the official video nasties, that's true. Yeah, uh it was cited as a video nasty because of its violent climax and themes of Satanism. Uh, it was re-released in the UK in '87 with three minutes cut. Oh. Most that's right, Lita. <laughs> Most of the gore, the climax, and black mass and text images on a computer is what was taken out. Really? Yeah. And I probably pronounced that wrong because I wrote this really fast. Um, uh, finally, there's an uncut version that was finally passed in 2004. But there's apparently another version where they kind of cut dialogue to make it move faster. Interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, Clint it, says the original cut was two and a half hours long. Oops. Which is which would be way too long for a film of this and time. And there's apparently yeah. more violence, although I'm not sure how much violence was cut. I mean, the, the version that we get now is pretty violent. I think, and, and I have heard rumors of this, I think the violence that they're talking about center primarily on the ending sequence. Because there's so many people in that yeah. sequence there in the church that it would be possible to film little bits and then if you didn't think the effect worked or what for whatever reason you could excise it it wouldn't matter you could just the movie would just continue on because it's just chaos there at the end so that a lot of that makes sense because i mean god knows how long they had they held clint in that freaking flying harness over everything but okay this is another instance in which uh, blu-ray high definition does not do You're exactly right. any favors uh, yeah i can't yeah. i can't fault the movie for that that you can see no no not not really as a matter of fact i hate to say it in a way that i i kind of count it as a a point of enjoyment for me once we get to, to to the blu-ray era because it 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 does not make me go oh i can see the wires it's like oh that's so cool now we can see the wires i don't know if you could you know if you saw this on vhs you couldn't but you know, the fact that you can does not make me like the movie less. They knew what they were doing at the time, and it's just mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, it's all. We're way advanced past that now, and we can see it in you know, four four hundred lines of resolution. And eventually, it's going to look that way. So, um, before we move forward, one thing I wanted to say about the beach scene is uh, one of the notes I took was black metal video by the sea. <laughs> It does feel that way, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it is totally. And we're right on the verge in 81. We're right on the verge of the MTV explosion and everything kind of changing in that direction. So uh, would not... I think Evil Speak kind of was a you know, pioneer of the MTV era, really. I mean, you talk about something that changed the culture. Been. Evil Speak was right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not so much the, the, the Evil Speak part. 
But oh, the, yeah, okay. the other three letters okay. that we mentioned a moment ago. Yeah, that. <laughs> oh my God, did he? Did you? Is is he on anything? Did he take some drugs? Because this is he's usually less effusive about a film so clearly wrong. I don't know. We're having band practice after this. So. Yeah, oh, right. oh my God, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. I know how you rock and or rollers get. That's right. We are rowdy. Your silence pleases me, Cooper Smith. I would consider any excuse unacceptable, short of your being detained by visitors from outer space. (laughs) I take it we can rule out extraterrestrial interference? Yes, sir. Now, with your permission, I will continue. Gentlemen, for the next few weeks, we will be campaigning as Julius Caesar. We will try to duplicate Caesar's military strategy as well as read Latin. Well, after our beach mass, the movie the movie starts and we get the we get the title. I, I one thing, and these are all the things I'm going to give this movie credit for are um, are things that I think that wouldn't have been praised at the time because it would have been seen as a as an eye roll kind of thing but nowadays looking back is when I can enjoy it I love the font the different fonts <laughs> yeah. of the title okay <laughs> yeah evil is in like some some gothic font mm-hmm. and speak is of course in that typical you know like computerized language uh, the, the, the the font that, that that just connotates computer yeah in roughly 1981 so because let's let's remember folks uh, this is this is long before the advent of uh, home computers of uh, you know laptops CGI, all the things that we take for granted in the past 20 years, none of these things existed. And as a matter of fact, the concept of these giant things called computers eventually being something that you could stick in your pocket and record a podcast on, for that matter, would be be considered ridiculous. So the, the, the font, the movie, for me now, gets off on the right footing by having the two com- combined fonts in the title. And, uh, of course, you know, that's a joy because I'm glad we move immediately to modern day because it reminds me that I'm not supposed to like this movie. <laughs> we move to the present day, which of course has been 1980, 1981, whatever, and we are introduced to this uh, this West Andover Military Academy. And uh, our, our main character, played by Clint Howard. Yay! Yay! It's hard to not enjoy Clint Howard. I mean, and he has a great attitude toward this film, too. If you ever, if you see an interview with him talking about the movie, he's, he's you know, he's old uh, old actor from way back. Started as a child. His father was an actor. His brother, you may have heard of his brother. He was famous on TV for a long time. Ken Howard, The White Shadow? No, 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 no. That's, uh, that's I think, uh, a fictional person you're making up. <laughs> Richie Cunningham that would be the guy yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, or, or Opie Cunningham whichever yeah. combination whichever combination does it the best uh, Clint actually uh, he really does bring his A game and he talks in interviews about how he really felt he kind of needed to because this was a starring role and it was really the first starring role he ever had in a, in a feature film, and depending on how well he did here, this was going to be kind of a calling card for him for his future, for for doing what he wanted to do, because what he wanted to be was kind of what his father had become. He he wanted a he wanted to be a character actor. He he looked at 
people like R.G. Uh, Armstrong, who's in this film with him, of course, and thought that's the kind of career you want because that career goes on for decades. You never have to worry about work if you're a character actor because you're always coming in and the movie doesn't rest on your shoulders. You're coming in and you're doing a juicy role or a role that doesn't really mean that much, but you can't screw the movie up if you're just there for, you know, a small part. You're there to, like, you know, do something that imparts a little bit of information, moves the plot along, and maybe you get a juicy piece that's memorable and people go, oh, remember the scene with the yada yada yada. Well, this was the thing. Of course, we do have to talk about the fact that even at this young age, his hairline was receding so much that him playing a teenager was uh, an iffy thing and he had to wear a toupee. And not only that, he had to buy his own toupee. And the producers <laughs> made him buy it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, maybe that was a good thing because I'm sure he got some more use out of it. Maybe. I mean, he would... If you wanted to play young parts, that's for sure. Or if you're going out on a Saturday night and want to pick up some girls. That's right. Are you, tell, are you telling me that Clint Howard could not just go pick up... Okay, I can't finish the <laughs> Hey, you, they you, came, they came for Clint. Clint didn't have to go looking. They came. They looked for Clint. Look, let's be clear. Between him and his brother, his brother could get the chicks, okay? His brother had no problems. It's clear. He was a redhead. His face did look like he he walked into a door too many times as a kid. Don't <laughs> <laughs> me wrong, I love Clint. I do love him. I think he's wonderful. But at the same time, in the looks department, if you look at their dad, even when even even when his even when Rance Howard, their uh, their dad was playing uh, Bruce Boxleitner's character's father on Babylon Five in the nineties, you're like, oh, that's an older guy, but that was, you can see that's a, he's still a good looking guy, and you can see I can see Ron's face there. It's like. And if he twist it just badly enough, you can see Clint's face as well. And it's like, ah. Let's, let's just put it this way. Uh, uh, Clint is somebody that looks like he should stay 500 feet away from a playground at all times. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes. that's true. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to picture him playing some of the, uh, the more unsavory characters that some people cast him in. Uh, of course, I do think it's still funny that uh, as soon as you know, Ron, his brother, cast him in every movie that he makes in some yeah. little role here and there. Sometimes it's a juicy role, but sometimes sometimes it's just like, oh, there's Clint, you know. But Clint's always, I mean, Clint's always good. He's good in this. He, he, oh, he is good. He, he is, is good. He's, he's great in everything he does. Oh, yeah. There, there's absolutely nothing to complain about with Clint. Uh, honestly, it's a pretty strong cast once you, once you realize what you're looking at because I've completely forgotten about Joseph Cortese, who plays the, the priest. Mm-hmm. He's solid. Uh, he does have one. He does have one moment in the movie that I'm sure that he, as an actor he wishes gotten edited out. Gotten edited out, which is he, he's uh, in a crowd and he looks right at the camera and then immediately looks away and you're just like, oh, you're hoping that that gets edited out, don't you? <laughs> you're hoping that's a take that doesn't that doesn't end up in the finished film, right? So can we go ahead and say uh, we also have Don Stark? Yeah, Don Stark. Yeah. Who most people know him is that dad, that dad. <laughs> From that '70s show. Yep, yep. After he after he put on a little weight, and uh, he was mostly in TV, but I did yep. get two notable movies for him: Three Ninjas Knuckle Up and Three Ninjas Kick Back. <laughs> he was oh well. See, I would never have known he was in those, so because those are not the kinds of movies that I would seek out to view. So that's good. I guess that's I guess that's good to know. I'm never going to see him in them. <laughs> And I just want to jump back to R.G. Armstrong real R.G. Armstrong's amazing. Yeah, he is. He's in a bunch of great movies. He's in uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Oh, God, yes. He's in Race with the Devil. He's in a movie that you don't like, Mr. Rod, Children of the Corn. 
Yeah, I do not like Children of the Corn. No. And he's also in that Fred Williamson movie. Which Fred Williamson movie? The one that we can't speak. Well, there are a few of those. Wait, what? <laughs> the first word is boss, and the ah, second oh, word okay. is... Well, yeah. it's yeah. just been renamed as boss. Yeah. Yeah. Boss, yes. Yeah. Boss in, for those of you yeah. in the know. And yeah, you're right, he is in that one. I forgot. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I will never forget R.G. Armstrong and Pat Garrett Billy the Kid because that whole sequence with the shotgun loaded with dimes is unforgettable. And uh, HUD, we should mention uh, Lenny Montana. Yeah, Luca Brasi. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he plays one of the only adults in this movie who is not a dick. <laughs> Luca Brasi, the murderer from The Godfather, plays. The nicest adult in the movie. It's so bizarre. And he was also in a movie called Pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Pandemonium. Hood. And he was also a former professional wrestler before he got into working with unsavory types. I was guessing. unaware of this. Yeah, former yeah. professional wrestler, um, which is surprising because after his role in The Godfather, you think that Grunt the Wrestling movie would be the next <laughs> logical point. <laughs> For him to be cast, but maybe he was busy with other things. That <laughs> may have weren't. been. Well, I mean, there is a, a now that now that the poor man has passed away. Of course, uh, Clint Howard. I don't know if you saw that interview where he was a, a little straightforward about how he was a really sweet guy, but he you had you had to, he could only really remember one or two lines at a time when they were shooting. So Grunt might have been too complicated. For Could him. have been. Yeah, <laughs> there's just too much nuance in a script of that type. You got to have some heavy weight. Yeah, chops yeah, to you, carry you, you have that's to. what you call in a dirt benedict <laughs> Jesus that's body slam oh, that's right you're right <laughs> <laughs> that's a totally different movie from Grunt and the Wrestler you're right wow, I'm ashamed yeah, yeah yeah. thank god we managed to work that in so that now we've hit all the touchstones of shit Rod don't want to talk about <laughs> uh, we might be able to hit a couple more yes <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed, do. Uh, <laughs> back to uh, back, back to our soccer game. Yeah, back to the soccer game. Oh, well, we're God. like in the first five minutes of the movie still. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me let me let me advance this. Uh, Clint Howard's character is named Stanley Cooper Smith, but quite quite honestly, I think he's called Cooper Dick more often than he's called Cooper Smith. Which I want to say is perfect because that's exactly the kind of nickname yep. that kids would have given him. Um, is something like Cooper Dick. I mean, that totally rings true. And it takes me back to my own childhood. We had a kid at our school. <laughs> Where you were called Hundick, right? Yeah, but that right? was only that was a compliment. Oh. Um, now we had a kid at our school whose last name was Boatwright, and this poor kid, unfortunately, from the second grade on, was referred to as Roachbite. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> of course. Uh, my so, nickname was Boner. <laughs> Boner. So, How did you get Boner? How did they? It's not get... really interesting. <laughs> they just decided that that was what they were going to call you. Pretty much. Were you particularly tall? I mean, you are now. I mean, what? Eh, well, I was, but yeah. Okay. I well, I had that name for since 1987. Yeah, it's all right. So, that was his nickname in Revenge of the Cheerleaders. So that's it, right. Yeah. So it's a good, you know, you and Hat the Hoff compared together. That's good. Yeah, right. I had to stop using that name when I moved to Austin because every motherfucker I met was like, "Oh, you're Mike Seaver's best friend. I'm so clever, aren't I?" And I'm like. No, you're like the 12th person to tell me that this week. So, my name is Ryan. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> ha! Done outed yourself, bitch. <laughs> Bobby hazard my ass. We're using code names. Code names? That's his code name. That's a code name. <laughs> well, Ryan Stanley is Co- not my real name. Stanley, Stan- yeah. <laughs> Stanley Cooper Smith is a young cadet at West Andover Military Academy. 
He, he remains there as a social outcast who is bullied by his classmates relentlessly. see it, Mrs. Caldwell. The military is the backbone of this country. Our only hope in preserving this democratic way of life of ours. Good stock and breeding will tell. There was a time when only the sons of the right families attended our academy here, but now, due to our financial condition, we're obliged to take in welfare cases like uh, Cooper Smith. So Stanley Cooper Smith remains a social outcast who is bullied by his classmates due to him being an orphan and treated unfairly by his instructors who believe him to be inept at everything. Which, to be fair, he is. He is. I and mean, one thing that I'll question so much is why does he really, really want to play soccer with everybody? No, Because I think it's fair to say all of us were probably not the greatest athletes in school. Did you just rush and say, no, please, <laughs> I want to play. I demand you let me play with all the athletically superior kids so I can look like a goof. Well, I will say that I admire a school. I should okay. I should back up. I may be the only one here with any experience, not at a military academy, praise the Lord, but with going away to a boarding school as a youngster. <laughs> Pardon me. It's true. I did. My you have gray poupon for this. <laughs> I, I I do, but it's it's currently it's currently eating the hair off of my ass. <laughs> I need a smooth buttock for later this evening. <laughs> I'm not going to ask any questions. We should just move on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, sir. So, but I will. I will say this. <clears throat> I was. I am impressed with the fact that if you have managed to, if you get into a school like that, if you can find a way in there, there is a there is a uh, an advantage to be had by by being there. And I will say this about Stanley Cooper Smith. He seems to be aware that if he can just force the issue and be a part of this and get his way through this, what that, that degree, the, the degree he'll get out of a school like this, will pay off for him. But the, the thing is, the movie never gives us an, an idea of his internal, his internal thought process on this subject yeah. at all. We're having to infer it all. So what I know is, you know, you go through all this shit, there's bullying and there's all the kinds of bullshit that you would, you would have to put up with in any situation like that. But what keeps you involved is we only get that one little glimpse where he is, you're right, adamant that he is going to continue to do what, do what the, uh, the rules say he can, do, he can do, which is if you're on the team, you play. And that's all wonderful, but that's, just about the only insight into him as a person that the movie gives us, other than stuff that are just cliches, such as, you know, being all tongue-tied around really attractive women. Uh, well, duh, it's called being an, a heterosexual male in the yeah. teenage years. What else are you going to be? But the, uh, the the thing is, that's that's where the movie falls down, is that we don't really know enough about Cooper Smith to, to, to really have an idea of what's motivating him but then again, this is a movie about pigs eating people. So who gives a shit? It's a good point. Yeah. Well, he does have one friend who's played by yeah. Kowalski, 
Played by the very Polish Haywood Nelson. <laughs> I was kind of wondering if maybe they didn't want to change the name of that character once they cast that particular actor. I mean, he's just coming off of what's happening, for God's yeah. sake. You know, which um, he um told a good story about that. He came off what's happening, and he was wanting to do something different. He didn't want to be known yeah. as a sitcom guy. So, and his money and his money was in a, in a trust, which is very smart. His parents set yeah, up so that so that his he couldn't he couldn't like do something <clears throat> stupid with his money, and it was going to be there for him later. So that was smart. Yeah, and he actually has done pretty well for himself since. But he yeah. said he would show up on the set with all these young unknowns driving like a sports car. Yeah, and he said after the second or third time that he left and all his tires were flat, he stopped driving the sports car. <laughs> because I mean, I, lo- I love his explanation too. He's like he 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 took he, st- he was taking jobs and working just so that he could buy a Porsche without uh-huh. touching the money that's in his yeah. trust fund. Yeah, which kind of impressed his parents. But driving the sports car to this set. <laughs> And then having to pay for a new tire every day mm-hmm. was eating away at whatever money that he was going to earn for being in this damn movie. So he had to stop doing it. That seemed like a decent guy. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, did you immediately? I mean, you know what's happening. You saw. You saw. You, did, yeah. you saw at least reruns of that show, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I, know. Okay. I, I love that show. I was just going to say uh, we we should refer to him from this point on as Token. <laughs> yes, he, 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 he is the, he is the only person with any melanin at all that, in this picture. Very true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I kind of want to get that joke in before the good times thing, but I was like, yeah. no, got to let him keep. No, on you're, you're, you're you're absolutely right. That is exactly what he is in this film. It's like, okay, we need a black man. Get a black character in here. And one other casting note, and he's Polish. He's a black Polish, black guy, Polish right? person. Yeah. One of one of many. Uh, I did want to mention one other cast member who we haven't mentioned yet is uh, Lauren Lester, who plays one of the bullies. Thomas uh-huh. was also, he was a voice actor later. He did like the voice of Robin in the Batman the Animated Universe. Yes, he did. But he also was one of the hall monitors in Rockin' Ohio School. Yes. And that, that's actually where he worked with Clint Howard for the that's first right. time. They, so. Yeah, those movies, they were they, within just a couple of years of each other, so they mm-hmm. knew each other from those, yeah. Yeah, Rock and Roll High School is one of my all-time oh, movies. Oh, yeah. yeah Love that. In fact, that was, I think, one of the earliest, if not the earliest, podcasts. That we ever, that we ever did for the show, yeah. That was back in the old PC days, the pre-Invisible Chin. <laughs> P-I-C? P-I-C, yeah, the pre-Invisible Chin. And one letter away from Dick there, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dick, back yeah. in okay, you're, you're, you're reaching there, but... No, no, no. That's true, it was pre-Chin. <laughs> pre-Chin. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it was before I was a chump, so it's pre-chump, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <sighs> All right. So I, I love the fact that not only do the, the bullies, the, the other students hate him, but apparently he's... He's just irritated every teacher, every bit of the administration. <laughs> they, all they all hate him to the point where, honestly, you have the, the soccer coach colluding with the bullies to get this kid injured in a way that he won't fuck up their next game. It's it's I, I, I'm pretty sure that's legally actionable. <laughs> if that were to ever come out, there could be some litigation on that. That sounds illegal and wrong. Definitely unethical. Let's put it that way. Well, when he is punished for no clear reason by cleaning the church cellar, he finds a room belonging to uh, belong, uh, belonging to Father Esteban, which contains books of magic, black magic, uh, along with uh, he doesn't realize it until later Esteban's personal diary. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
He then uses his computer skills, such as they can be in 1981, to translate the book from Latin. And I have to admit, I like the prop. The prop diary uh, is actually pretty pretty good little prop. I like the way that looks. But he gets it translated bit by bit. The translation describes Esteban as a Satanist, and the book contains several rituals performing a black mass, along with a promise by Esteban uh, citing that essentially using the, using these uh, ceremonies uh, in some way or another, Esteban can return. And and Cooper Dick does a good job setting everything we're, up. We're going to call him that, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, well, he's got like the, the candles everywhere. Yep. Yeah, he does. He's got his um, gigantic computer set up down there, and I, I like to call it Cooper Dick's Clubhouse. <laughs> it's, he's, if, if, uh, if he only had pinned up uh, like, a, like a, a penthouse centerfold, he'd be, he'd be complete. It'd be the teenage trifecta. You, well, need, he, you need a picture of a car, too. Of a car. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that would be have a poster of Miss Heavy Artillery from the beauty pageant. <laughs> yeah, there we go. They, yeah, those those ladies. That's some heavy artillery they're sporting. That's so, for sure. <laughs> I wrote down the quotes, the Esteban quotes. If you want me to read. Oh, them. oh, oh Can you yes, say these yes. out loud? Is it safe to do? Wait, this? wait, wait, wait. We haven't we haven't drawn a five pointed star, and, and we haven't shed any blood. So I think we're safe. Okay, okay. I Esteban have come to know that the entire world is a domain of evil. It's not off point there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ruled over by an evil spirit, and since the power that dominates the world is evil. Then it follows that Satan must be God. That's one of them. Uh, next one is I, Esteban. Let's refer to himself in third person, kind of. <laughs> have, a, have signed the book of death and touched the hand of my master Satan through the rite of black mass. I almost read that as black ass. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did. That, 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 that would have been good. I would, that would have, honestly, that's acceptable. That's that's fine. People, if you've never been listened to one of my Spring Break Forever podcasts, if you've ever heard me read off my notes, my handwriting has, has progressively gotten worse since I've aged, and sometimes I just sit there and go, what the fuck did I write? I will admit, every time I've looked at a page of your handwriting, I do check your hands to see if you're arthritic. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like John Carradine... <laughs> Or you wonder if I've been writing with my feet? <laughs> that's that's a possibility. Too. He's got that old John Carradine hand thing going, where <laughs> the, the hand that I can't look at in later years yeah. because it's like, oh god, that's what my hands are going to look yeah, like. Like that, that man is just in agony all the time. Yeah. Okay, here's the last one, or at least the last one I wrote down. They think to kill me, but Satan is my salvation. His magic is mine forever. I will return, no matter what they do. I will return. You know, it sounds better being said by Richard Mull, but yeah. good, but good stab <laughs> or Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> a little maiden. Okay, that's all. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, folks. By the way, uh, my, it is my full intention to uh, spoilerize this film. Although to a certain degree, I do believe this is the kind of movie that once you realize that it involves a black mass and a Satanist and. Uh, using a computer to resurrect uh, a, a dead Satanist. You know where the movie's going. And midway through, the only real pull quote that you're ever going to need to hear is, you know, evil demonic pigs. So I don't know that we can spoil this movie to a large degree. But be warned, if you want to see this cold, we are going to eventually end up spoiling this, or at least I am, because I refuse to not discuss the ending of this crazed-ass movie. But... I don't think that that will keep you from enjoying the things that are enjoyable here, so keep that in mind. 
And it'll probably be here be more fun to hear us describe it. Yeah, I think it's it. selling. No, now this. No, there's some scenes that I think it kind of are in the category of need to be seen. <laughs> All of them. No, n- not that. No. no. Well, waking up late the next morning, Stanley finds his alarm clock unplugged and his clothing tied in knots, courtesy of his uh, scumbag classmates. Classmates. This causes him to be tardy for the morning uh, classes, and his teacher writes him a punishment note to be taken to the school's uh, headmaster. Uh, the headmaster's name is Kincaid and is played by another uh, character actor who we've seen in uh, a blue bajillion films and who has a face. He's just built to play dicks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that poor actor. I mean, not that, not that he needed, needed to worry. I'm sure it kept him in, you know, in, in, uh, in coke and booze all his life. But at the same time... <laughs> He's he's got he's got a, he, he's never going to be cast as the good guy. Let's put it that way. Well, uh, when he's sent to the office, he accidentally leaves the diary uh, of Esteban on the desk of the school secretary, who uh, then hides it and keeps it for herself. Um, that secretary is someone who we're going to see a lot more of later on. And she's very obsessed with stealing the pentagram off the top of the book. Yeah, she thinks that, and rightfully so, I would assume, the reason she wants to hold on to that book is I'm. she seems fairly convinced, although she doesn't... That's something the movie communicates effectively. She's thinking those are those are uh, rare stones. They're probably gems of some yeah. sort. She thinks there's a way to make some real money off this thing. That's why she managed to... She wants to keep her hands on it. Well, while Stanley's being made to clean the stables as punishment for no reason... Uh, they say stables, but all I, the only animals I ever see are pigs. So. Yeah, and I'd be claiming the pig, pig sky, yeah. Pen, yeah, pig pen. There's yeah. no, yeah, there's no horses. Yeah, I, I, that's just, that's just it. If you look at if you look at the barn, there are it does look like a place where there would be stabled horses for horses, but we never see any horses, so I don't know what the hell the deal is there. That's why I was like, eh, okay, whatever. Well, um, he's uh, the office secretary begins to 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 play around with the diary she tries to pry some of the jewels out of their settings and this for some reason causes the pigs in the barnyard there to attack Stanley now he gets out of their way and doesn't get harmed really but it points out a very strange thing that you need to hold in your head this book controls pigs we don't know why (laughs) do you need anything else to make you want to see this movie There's this diary of a long-dead evil priest whose diary controls pigs. It's like every movie you've ever seen. Or wanted to see. <laughs> it's, I mean, isn't it a cliche that, that Esteban's diary controls pigs? I mean, okay. well, I mean, isn't it obvious that pigs are evil? As Joe Bob oh, Briggs I mean, would well, that's say... Why, that's why, that is why we eat them. Yeah, Joe Bob would say... Sure, we've seen this story before. <laughs> yeah, but sure. have you seen it with Clint Howard? <laughs> <laughs> That's your question. And if your answer is no, then you need to sit the hell down and push back. <laughs> well, Stanley returns to his dormitory room to find his belongings scattered again. These bullies are assholes. Yeah, and they broke his little catapult. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of. Uh. Well, he he assumes his classmates have stolen the uh, the the diary. And uh, but he but he can't find it. He he confronts them. They don't know. What they, it becomes clear that they obviously don't know what the hell he's talking about. They don't. They didn't steal the book because it was it wasn't around for them to steal. Or maybe they would have. Uh, Stanley then goes to the school's computer lab to perform perform more general uh, research on Satanism, even though his book is still missing. 
His, uh, his allotted time in the lab runs out, and he's forced to leave with his research incomplete. He goes back down to the church cellar with computer equipment, gets it all set up. I look at, he runs electricity down there. Uh, and I'm, I'm, we're guessing he stole this computer from the computer lab? He's just, he's wanting to do this stuff 24-7 and doesn't want somebody looking over his shoulder, I'm guessing. So you need a forklift to move it down there. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but it would, it it would not be easy. It wouldn't be easy. Let's put it you couldn't way. just put it under your shirt and smuggle it in there. Yeah, you're not, you're, you're not covering this with your coat and yeah. walking out with it. So. Maybe hit it under his hairpiece. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. That's a possibility. Yeah, that could work. That could work. <laughs> well, he sets up the computer, runs some inquiries into, into requirements for a black mask. Searching through various bottles in the cellar left by Father Esteban, ain't he glad that Father Esteban shit is still sitting here hundreds of years mm-hmm. later? Uh, he attempts to initiate a mass, but the computer informs him that he's still missing crucial ingredients, namely blood and consecrated host. Well, I mean, he's underneath a church, so the consecrated host is just upstairs. And blood, well, that's, you know, you can find that anywhere, surely. You can turn some of that up. Well, he's nearly discovered by Reverend Jameson, the church's uh, current pastor, who sends him off to the mess hall to eat dinner. Get out of here. Stop doing that satanic shit. Go on. Go on about your business there. Go on, you punk. (laughs) You punk. Never questioning the fact that he has a computer down in the basement. Well, I don't think he's smart. He doesn't doesn't spot the computer. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, After arriving at the mess hall too late for lunch, he befriends the school's good-natured cook. That would be Luca Brazzi. Uh, who makes a meal for him and shows him a litter of puppies that his dog just had. Stanley takes the smallest pup for himself, names him Fred, and hides him in the church cellar. So now, people, not to strain credulity credulity too much, but what we have here is an impromptu computer lab set up in a church basement with a puppy. None of this fits. None of these are a good combination, and none of this is sanity on any level whatsoever. Not to mention, Luca Brazzi is making you sandwiches. I don't know that I would want to eat that. Anyway, uh, he's making a steak. That's right. I know he's like cooking him up a steak. I was, yeah, I was. You know, somebody's actually trying to befriend you if they're going to cook up a steak for you right there in front of you. It's like, here you go. Come on, let's eat something. Puppy is my favorite character in a movie, by the way. Fred, they're a team. Fred the puppy. I like, <laughs> yeah, I like, I like Fred more than I like anybody else. Fred was pretty cool. Well, of course, you know, immediately they see we see the puppy, and Beth turns to me and goes, they're going to kill the puppy, aren't they? And I went, oh, come on, honey, they'll move you. That's ridiculous. That's completely stupid. And I'm sitting there going, shit, did they kill the puppy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. I couldn't remember. I was like, they didn't kill the puppy? Shit, I don't remember. Okay, well, nevertheless, folks, of course, they kill the puppy. Just as a spoiler alert, yes, they do. But not in the way you would think. It's even dumber. So, Stanley steals uh, some host from the church upstairs and then notices Esteban's portrait on the wall, which is, by the way, one of the first things I noticed because if you have a painting of Richard Mall as a monk hanging in your church, leave the church. That seems like a cool church. <laughs> no. no, it does not. That seems like a church where you want to be where you elsewhere. want to be. That's what I'm elsewhere. saying. Where? It looks like the cover of a Molly Hatchet record. <laughs> that's that's going to be mine and Hud's church. Well, that's right. Ch- we're going to start We're gonna start the Church of Richard Mall. That's right. The Church of Richard Mall. I mean, Mall. that painting looks like it should be on the side of a van or something. It was awesome. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it would be a painting on the side of a van. You're right. That would be, Yes. And honestly, that that it would be standing there, and there would be in the distance, you would see like instead of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it would be like the blind dead. 
<laughs> That's what it would be. That's what it would be. I'm telling you now. Rich, Richard Mall would approve. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Richard Mall. The interviews with Richard Mall are pretty are, are pretty tasty. They're like eight or nine years. Well, they're like at least eight years old now at this mm-hmm. point. But I mean, he still he still looks great. He he really looks great with all the with the white beard and the white hair. And he, he's he's like I love how he explains. You know, I'd love to give you more details about this, but that was thirty years. At this point, it was like thirty some odd years ago, and. I was doing a lot. I was doing a lot of stuff just back to back to back. So me being able to tell you some story that took place when making this, as opposed to, and he he references Dungeon Master. He says, as opposed to the character I played in Dungeon Master, which wasn't very dissimilar. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Ah, oh, lordy. I understand. I mean, it's kind of like how when you'll hear like interviews with like George Harrison and he's like I can't remember if that was from Re- Rubber Soul or Revolver I mean when you do back to back classics oh yeah yeah exactly like Dungeon, Dungeon, Dungeon Master stuff. Dungeon Master and Evil Speak yeah it's hard to tell where those lines divide mm-hmm. yeah it's I mean it's it's all such high quality million dollar work mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to Clint Howard Blackie Lawless all yeah the same thing to me Oh, I, I think we, I we can, disagree. We, we, we can't. Okay. We, we, have, we, have, we have to talk. Okay. So, uh, back to the film now. <laughs> so, uh, using, maybe, we using, just, maybe we should just do a poll in the future. Yeah, maybe we, a vote. A vote. So we can avoid such well, problems. We'll let the fans thing. vote. Oh, no, no, no. No, I can tell you right now, we ain't doing that. One, it takes too long. And two, fuck both of y'all. <laughs> well, we know that if we ever yes. if we ever put up a poll, grunt in a wrestling movie would win. That's right. <laughs> Which, by the way, once again, is why fuck y'all is the exact thing that came out of my mouth. Okay, using the translation, he attempts the ritual and is suddenly attacked by his classmates wearing masks and robes. And I kind of like this because this is exactly the kind of shit these fucking asshole mm-hmm. bullies would do. And the movie has effectively set up those weird masks and the, the kind of monk robes and stuff being down there. So that works. After knocking him unconscious, which <laughs> really seemed harsh, the, the, bull, the bullies leave. Now thinking, <laughs> and of course when he wakes up, Poor old Cooper Smith thinks he successfully performed the ritual and that these things that appeared and beat the hell out of him were supernatural in origin. Well, Stanley is told by his computer at that point that the ritual was incomplete and that a pentagram and that a pentagram appears on the computer screen immediately telling you that they do not know how computers work in 1981. I know, because those graphics are way too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I thought I saw something that those actually were graphics that like actual computer graphics, but maybe they weren't available on that computer. But not in eighty one. Just no, no way. No, no, no. no. Think, okay. No. Believe me, I was fiddling around with uh, early Apple computers in uh, in high school, and the graphics that you could get on those things. If you think you know what the word pixelated means, oh yeah, that's true. Degrade that image even further <laughs> when you think about it. It just look. It looks terrible. But. Did your computers have the power of Satan pigs helping them out? Well, no, that's where you get it. That's where you, if you've got Satan pigs and the evil of Richard Maul, maybe things can change. I mean, that's I a big know. upgrade. That's your, there. that's your first supercomputer right, right there. Right there, yeah. Super Satan computer. I mean, that's like the Colossus, the Forbin project. It could be. <laughs> you're, cool, you're maybe right. Well, thinking he's, he's done this successfully until the computer clues him in, 
Stanley gets a little excited, but he, and he accidentally screws up and wakes up the drunken caretaker, Sarge, who's played by R.G. Uh, uh, Armstrong, who screams for help, and the, the computer flares to life with a red pentagram on it, and an unseen force then takes Sarge's head and turns it completely around, breaking his neck. Uh, Stanley discovers, uh, at this point, Stanley discovers, I love, I love how this, this cellar suddenly has like a secret door. <laughs> Just right uh, off, off, to the, off to the side there. And it's like, that's uh, it's, it's, it's not believable. Wait, no, it's not, even, it's not even remotely believable. But nevertheless, into that room, and we have even more satanic shit in that room. And that was your first real problem with the movie. I understand that up until now you've been all in. But it's like, well, that, that part's just not believable. Yeah, yeah, well... Yeah, well that there'd yeah. be a room over there. I mean... Well, in this room, he discovers uh, it's a, it's a, it's a cave with kind of a, a, well a decapitated skeleton, uh, the remains of a couple of other bodies, and the crypt of Father Esteban. Because what do you do with a dead black black masked priest who's built like that? You take his body from Spain and you bring it to Northern California and you put it in the cellar of a church. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Everything works here. It this does the to math. Me. The math is very clear as long as you don't know math. So, we're talking new math. This was new math. <laughs> this was new math. <laughs> well, he drags Sar- uh, Cooper Smith, who, of course, is in a panic, knowing that this is, this is going south really, really fast. He drags Sarge's body into this, into this little hidden room and decides to leave the body there hidden, obviously not thinking through how, no matter what he did, now that he's moved the body, he's done. <laughs> As far as the law is concerned, he's an accessory after the fact, so it's all dead. It's all gone. This is where we get to what I'm just going to term my most favored portion of the film. The school secretary attempts one last time to pry the pentagram from the Black Magic diary book that she stole from Stanley, of course. She fails, injuring her finger, which then bleeds onto the book. Ha ha. Blood. We finally Uh got some blood involved. She undresses because that's what you do. Especially, she's, well, she's getting ready to take a shower, which you would undress. And I know True. when I get ready to take a shower, I undress by the fireplace, yes. except for my thong. And then <laughs> I slow... Thong, thong and bra. Well, no. That, no, she had a bra off, but she oh, was she wearing did? a thong okay. into the shower. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, her bra okay. was off. I'm just remembering that she uh, that she had uh, she had stockings on. Am I wrong? So she took all that off for the yeah, fireplace. Yeah, from the fireplace, except and, for the thong. Yeah, yep. and you can barely see it because it's about the size of dental floss. But it's yeah, there. but it's there enough but for so enough was, for her to enough for the actress to fool herself into thinking that she wasn't nude, and so that's good. Yeah. So she and then of course slowly walked into the bathroom, you know, cause, and that's really how I <laughs> prepare for my showers every night too. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, oh, right, but. I think we can all be very happy to be able to report that none of us have ever been attacked by demonic pigs while we're in the shower. True. And, and here's yourself. my... Uh, I mentioned Joe Bob Briggs <laughs> earlier. Yeah, true. I mentioned Joe Bob... Actually, thinking back on some past relationships... Uh, <laughs> um, um, going back to Joe Bob Briggs, um, there's a Dynamite episode of Last Drive-In where he does evil speak. And at the beginning of the show, he does the drive-in totals. You know, four breasts, three bodies. He says, one shower scene from Psycho Homage with pigs. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah, it's hard to not agree with that statement. It's true. So she goes into the shower. 
uh, and is attacked by the demonically spawned pigs, which honestly they're boars. They're not just they're not yeah. normal pigs, people. We're not talking something that looks like it might you know befriend a fucking spider. Okay, <laughs> 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 these are these are hairy beast critters that were probably you know happy enough as long as you kept them fed, but if you prodded them in the wrong way, they were probably going to turn on you. The and I will say that while we all know without being told that a lot of the shots of boar heads attacking people's bodies and actually making contact are obviously big fake puppet boar heads. They actually match the beasts themselves really effectively. So I got to give them credit for selling this stuff and intercutting it effectively enough so that it looks like this woman's being attacked by a fucking pig. This is pretty yeah. rough. And the one shot where you see the pig like ripping or ripping yeah. guts, that's pretty nasty looking. You can you can understand where the video nasty thing came yeah. from. Yeah. On this and it's, it's that sequence where I, I could not remember because the first time I saw this movie years ago, I, I didn't know that it, that it was one of the video nasties. Okay. But then re, before I rewatched, before rewatching it for this, that's when I learned it. And I went, I, I honestly kept thinking to myself, I think there's a beheading. I was trying to figure out like what this puzzle of well, what were they so upset about? And then I saw that saw that sequence and I went, oh yeah 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 okay. Well, it's obviously like a fake body there that they're ripping guts out of. But that's that's a that's a pig ripping entrails out of a corpse. Okay, I got you. I understand the problem now. Honestly, it's probably more to the satanic thing. I mean, there's a lot of video nasties yeah. that don't really have anything oh, wrong with them. Oh, they just assumed there was something wrong with yeah, them. Just a title sometimes yeah. was enough. So well, I, I will say that. Um, I remember being surprised when I found out years ago that uh, Night of the Howling Beast, the Paul Nashie film, the werewolf film, Werewolf and the Yeti, was one of the video nasties. But having seen the uncut version of it, I knew what it was because there's these there's several scenes where people are having their skin, the skin off their back, like cut off and, and draped over somebody else's back to treat to treat like open sores on their back. And I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, that, that scene was gonna get that scene was gonna get you in trouble no matter yeah. what you did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really didn't remember this, you know, the, the grotesque nature of the the death in this sequence. I just remembered it being. I guess I was distracted by the nudity. I wonder why. Because there was nudity, probably. Yeah, yeah, that's probably boobs, boobs. That'll do it every time. I just, I don't know what it is. Naked women, they confuse me. You and Boop. Paul Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now the movie makes a, an odd switch. And I think that on a certain on a certain level now it makes it now it becomes an art house film where surrealism over no I'm not, that's not what happens what happens is we go from this this death in a bathtub of an attractive young woman to watching a beauty pageant and I'm thinking in a better made film and you shut your mouth there are no better made films I knew it was coming in a better made film. There would be a statement or some kind of way to understand that what they're trying to do here is point out that this is this is like a meat a meat market. It's like these these incredibly attractive young women being presented to these hooting and hollering teenagers and the leering adults also by the way, which I thought was interestingly played and they don't shy away from the priest you know ogling them as well. And so we switch to this beauty pageant at the school's pep rally where they're where they're Choosing from amongst these bathing suit clad ladies, Miss, Miss Heavy, Heavy Artillery. Artillery. And it, uh, it's exactly what you would expect it to be. I mean, this is, you know, what do, what, what, do, what do you want from a movie like this? But after the pep rally, Stanley, who once again 
in a better written film, this would be a scene that would give you more insight into his character. He had the balls to go up and talk to these women after the after they were up on stage after the contest, and to to attempt to tell them what he thought. He was he's a pretty brave guy. And then, of course, he gets the living shit beat out of him by the bullies, of course. So the movie follows suit normally the way, way you'd expect. So one thing I just want to say is this actually happens in a military school. I've never heard of shit like this happening in a military school. <sighs> I'm not so sure. I don't have, like I say, I don't have any any knowledge of what would, would go on in a military school. It doesn't, it would not surprise me that they would, you know, they would have some kind of outlet where guys could see women and not be able to touch them. But I don't think they parade them around in a damn bathing suit. That's that, for sure. That doesn't make any yeah, sense to me. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, in other words, like having like dances that are very well chaperoned yeah. on campus, that I believe very strong. I, I oh, believe yeah. that would That'd, happen. Yeah. But what we're seeing here, it's like, I don't know that that... First of all, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Two, eh, bathing suits, no, probably not. Three, a contest, really? Yeah, that is. Where you're just encouraging the, you know, the the, the rowdiness that's going to come with something like that. I remember this was forty years ago, so it's been more in that climate, possibly true. Okay, but so I you know, know the military schools have changed since then. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, but you know, you guys might be right. This might be the first. Thing that was not very realistic to pop up in this movie. So, but, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty obvious that none of those guys would have any of those haircuts in a military school. <laughs> oh, well, okay, okay. Well, now that 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 is very true. Yeah. That, yeah. There are not, not a lot of high and tight cuts in this, and that's what they would have been. That's true. Yeah. I mean, even if you're in ROTC in high school, you're you're getting a yeah. Flat you're, you're you're getting a very tight haircut. Period. End of sentence. Yeah, yeah that's that is very true. Miss Kelly? Yeah. You want something? I just wanted to, to, to say, well, to, to tell you, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were the best. Out there, I, I thought you should have won. <laughs> no, no, really. I, I thought you should have won. You really mean that, don't you? I do. I do. Well, well, well. Look what we've got here. Our ace soccer player. Getting high, Cooper Dick? Hey, leave him alone, Bubba. Sure, I'll leave him alone. But I'm benching you for smoking dope. (laughs) You can't do that. The coach says everybody gets to play. That's what sports are for, to make us well-rounded. Make you well-rounded, Cooper Dick. Guys, try anything. You're going to be sorry. Oh, yeah? Let's see how it looks without cans. Leave him alone. Shut up. Come in. I'm going to fix you guys. You guys are going to pay for this. Hey, Cooper Dick, you're going to pay for this. You think that we're going to lose this game because of you? you got another thing coming. You so much to show your face. And I'm going to bust you in half. I'm gonna play. You can't stop me. I'll go to the colonel. You do that, Cooper Dick. You do that. And it's your funeral. And your little dog. I know he's down there in the cellar somewhere. I'm gonna 
kicks out of the Cooper dick. You guys touched my dog. God help me, you're gonna get it. So I see Stanley as a pretty brave guy, who then, of course, gets the shit beat out of him by the bullies again. But after witnessing his beating at the hands of these bully scumbag classmates, the hostile and unfriendly school principal, Ken Cade, kicks Stanley off the soccer team instead of punishing the bullies, showing you once again that you can't trust an asshole. You cannot trust people in authority because they're... Oh, wait, I'm, I'm ranting. It's, that's probably a bad idea. That's not the way to go with that. <laughs> but it is very clearly just a way for them to find a, 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 a good little pin to be able to pull and get him off the soccer team so maybe they can win the next game mm-hmm. instead of losing. And uh, I, 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 love the, I love the flimsiest of all possible things. You got beat up? Well, you, you can't be on the, the soccer team. <laughs> How dare How you? How dare you be abused by your classmates? Way to go, loser. Let me find a way to punish you. Oh, yes. The thing that I wanted to do in the first place. Well, let's do that. Well, after a night of drinking... Stanley's classmates make their way into Esteban's hidden room. In other words, they go back down there thinking that they'll just fuck around with our good old punching bag one more time. In Cooper Dick's clubhouse. Cooper Dick's clubhouse. (laughs) I forgot that you called it that. I completely forgot that that's what you were calling it. That that sounds like a gay bar. I'm sorry, it just does. It just sounds like one. (laughs) You may be wrong. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, they, well, they, they find his computer program... Uh, and and then they find the puppy, and this is where the movie takes that turn that made me go, oh shit, they do kill the puppy, <laughs> oh they do. Now l- luckily, of course, you know they don't show them killing the puppy, which would have been a little over the line. I think that, I think that, you know, slaughter all the humans you want. We know it's fake, but don't kill a puppy because then we start might we start thinking you might have actually killed a puppy. Am I thinking it did Margaritian direct this sequence? Yeah, I know. Are we, are we killing animals again? <laughs> Is Lindsay involved in this at all? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, really. Well, after killing the poor puppy, the computer says that the blood used must be human blood. So useless, you sorry bastards. They get... These these bullies really get all wound up, man. These guys... It's clear that there's something having some kind of weird effect on them because they are just... They're they're wound up and freaking out and screaming bloody murder and killing Mm -hmm. a puppy. I mean, these these kids have crossed a line that uh, they may never cross back from. Well, after finding Fred's mutilated body later on, Stanley becomes, well, enraged, as you might expect. And suddenly the diary just appears, laying on Esteban's casket. When a teacher then catches Stanley in the church, stealing the host, he follows him to the catacombs where he is translating the rest of the diary. Stanley pledges his life to Satan and then kills his teacher on a spiked wheel and collects his blood. And... and I have to point out, not just a spiked wheel, it's a chandelier that's hanging down. Yeah. So he throws them up and impales them on the chandelier that's hanging down. That's pretty cool. Yeah, at Stately Heads or Manor, we call that Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I love Stately Hazard Mansion. <laughs> the, the, the estate of the Hazard family <laughs> dates all the way back... To the beginnings of the Duke boys. Passed down from generation to generation. (laughs) (laughs) Goes back to the Duke of Hazard. (laughs) (laughs) They came over on the Hazard Flower. (laughs) The Hazard Flower. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> from their home, their home in Sweden. Lo flower de has the hazard. <laughs> oh, okay, this, it's getting too, it's getting too silly at this point. Well, oh, I should mention that the teacher who he finds and and kills on the the kind of chandelier thing is uh, he's another character actor you've seen in a blue bajillion films if you know films from this period of time. And he has adopted this bizarre German accent throughout the movie. Cooper Smith. <laughs> He sounds like Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, in a way, yeah. And 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 there's a part of me that makes it's it's that thing where you're just like, so is he going for you know Hogan's Heroes Nazi here? Is this what it is? Is that what we're talking about? Because that's what it feels like a whole lot. But nevertheless, he is a he's a he's been a nasty scumbag throughout the movie. So seeing him killed is just another one of those moments like you have in your standard slasher film where it's just like, yeah, I'm glad that asshole's dead. He was. He, was he a Nazi? Wait. <laughs> Does the timeline work out for this guy to have been an actual Nazi? I'm not sure. 35 years after the war, it, it could happen. <laughs> could have happened. Maybe. Well, since Stanley has now pledged his life to Satan, uh, all hell starts breaking loose. And unaware of the ritual being performed down in the cellar, Stanley's classmates, the coach, uh, Colonel Kincaid, who runs the whole place, and Pastor Jameson are all in attendance at a service upstairs in the church, which is kind of a, I don't know if you, if I was, I, I played football in high school and I can tell you right now that these, pe- these private pep talks by religious figures, I grew up in the South folks and I can tell you those things happen and they're always just about as full of shit as the one in this movie where someone who's a religious figure is attempted to convince a bunch of people who are about to play a sporting event that that God wants you to go out there and murder the motherfuckers that you're about to play against. (laughs) And it never rings true, but somehow when you're a teenager, you're supposed to believe it. Anyway, that's that's the the scene playing out. The actor doesn't even seem convinced by what he's saying. (laughs) It seems like something prattling on in the background. Yeah, he's. It, it is one of those things. That, like I say, I can attest to the fact that these things happen. I mean, I sat through more than a few of them in my years of playing football. And uh, to be blunt, I'm an atheist these days. And that might be one of the reasons. I'm not really sure if I can trace a direct line there or not. But maybe, maybe that was one of the beginning points of me going, I don't know that God gives a shit who wins this football game. I really, really don't. I don't think he would give a flying shit either direction. Anyway. And if he does, shouldn't he worry about other stuff? Uh, yeah. And then maybe better figure out like why people are dying of a certain disease at any particular point in any day. Anyway. Uh, well, after uh, perf- successfully performing this ritual in the basement of the church, Esteban's soul then possesses Stanley's body and takes up a sword, which seems to be the same sword that uh, Esteban was using in the, uh, the pre-credit the sequence. Yeah. Meanwhile, and this is actually possibly my favorite scene in the movie, which is the death of the pastor, which is when the uh, the nail from the large crucifix hanging over the church's altar uh, is pried out by an unseen force and then flies across the room and is driven into the pastor's forehead. Right together. before you see the, the, the oh, statue yeah. hand of Christ moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see the veins pulsate. And, yeah. and it's one of, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that's a... I mean, you understand how the effect is done, but it still really works. It's yeah. an effect, and it's an effect. The whole sequence is very effective. I was, I was, I was, I've always been very happy with that sequence. I'll give you that one. That is one of the better scenes. Of the it's, movie. it's good, and it's. I like and that. It's, and it's not over the top violent, but boy, does it sell the. It, oh does, yeah. it, does it sell the kill? Let's it sells it that. that kill. Yes. yes, very effectively. 
Stanley then rises from the cellar on wires. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Stanley then floats out of the cellar. <laughs> They're not wires. They are satanic wires. There you You're go. Right. You're right. Uh, below, while uh, flames erupt from the cellar, he's, he's wielding the sword, uh, although uh, it's a little while before he gets close enough to anybody to whack him with it. And then, erupting out of the cellar... Here at, they come! <laughs> walking down logic, the I was about to say, <laughs> logic be damned. <laughs> a pack of large black boars erupt out of a hole in the, in the in the church floor while Stanley hovers over everyone and the pigs start attacking everybody in sight. And of and, course, and, and the folks, doors are locked, they can't get out, and, and, and buddy, it's hell on earth and all these bullies about to die. Now, Y'all said that you didn't like this movie, but I didn't say that. Seriously, I said it was a bad movie. I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. Have you not just described one of the greatest things ever filmed? Think about what you just described. Satanic wires? No. Oh. Clint Howard carrying a sword, floating <laughs> over flames, while wild boars erupt from the floor to eat bullies. Well, didn't I There's say the best of scene of the best oh, scene the whole, of the movie the, was the end? Sequence. Yeah, this whole end sequence. I think we can. Yeah, all the agree. end sequence is, is the best thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said that. True. Well, to me, this would save it. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, in, you know, in a way, it kind of does, because this is the this is the moment in rewatching this movie when I when I realized, you know, I'm kind of on this movie's side by this time. I'm kind of yeah. there. I'm kind of on the movie side now. Okay. They won me over. They really kind of got me there. It was, a, it was a rough road, but now we're there. All right. It's all good. Oh man! Well, this this is this this whole segment is just this is where they could very easily you know inter you know inter interject little bits of violence here and there filmed in whatever order they wanted to and cut it together however they wanted to and it wouldn't matter because it's essentially either the pigs attacking different characters or them turning on each other and fucking each other over just trying to get the hell out of the building. They, there's so many ways to edit this together that I'm convinced. That there are prob this is probably where some of the, the deleted stuff that was probably yeah. in the movie was probably here. It makes sense because there's so many ways to do this that I can see somebody who filmed a whole lot of stuff for this sequence deciding that they want to keep it all and then realizing after showing it to an audience that we really we're really maybe hitting this rock too many times and maybe too hard, so maybe some of it needs to come out. Instead of you know, instead of being censored, it's a question of, is this going on too long? So I can see that there was probably mm-hmm. some stuff that could have been here that they decided to, to to leave out. But what's there is still pretty juicy. I mean, Clint yeah. cuts a guy in half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where when the sword play gets gets going. Uh, not that all of the effects work. See see my comments about the 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 woman being beheaded at the beginning of the film who turns into a soccer ball. Uh, not all of them are effective enough to to really completely sell the uh, the, the special effects, but the uh, the fun of it is there because it's really just violent chaos in this church as flames are erupting and uh, boars are, are running all over the place attacking people. Uh, boar puppet heads are attacking people just at random, and uh, it, it's it's a shit ton of fun. I have to admit, uh, there are some. I will say. My only complaints about this final segment is is not just the satanic wires that are holding up Clint Howard. Which, will, to be fair, you probably couldn't see before. Maybe, maybe so. I would love to know. But uh, I will say that there are some sequences, there's some shot choices, I should say, where uh, it looks 
a little, it looks more awkward than it really needs to. Uh, the way Clint is positioned, hanging off the, 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 the flying harness. And so um, that's really my only complaint with this segment is uh, it could have gone off for a couple of minutes more as far as I'm concerned. Just the, the joy I'm getting out of the violence. But there are a few shot choices. I know it's hard to film somebody in one of those harnesses to make it look right. Because if you set him up so that you can get him to be... Basically, so that he can get into some "quote unquote" Superman poses, where you're you're getting a, a kind of idea of him doing more than just floating, you know, kind of stand as if he were standing upright. You can do that, but that takes a lot more time and a lot more effort, and really does slow down what you're going to be able to get on film. So, what they've got is is really a lot of fun. And I have to say, if the movie was much worse than it is, and this ending sequence was exactly the way it is. I'd still kind of be on the movie's side by the time we got to this segment because it really does kind of work. Oh, well, I was trying to figure out, by the way. He, he cuts off uh, Kincaid's head, and I think he cuts off the soccer, soccer coach's head, right? Yeah, the hall monitor gets eaten by pigs. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and I put the, uh, the uh, uh, 70s guy dad got the Doc Savage look going on by the end. <laughs> True. And then he runs into the undead Sarge who rips his heart out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Oh, that's right, Bubba. Bubba, the uh, the lead bully, the, the the guy whose face was built to just play assholes. He uh, he goes down to the catacombs and down in the cellar trying to trying to find a way to escape from all the carnage upstairs. And de- lo and behold, R.G. Armstrong comes back from the dead as a zombie and kills him dead. Rips out his heart. And that's actually a pretty good scene, too. That is right? a good scene, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, that's an effect that. that's, that is sold pretty effectively. Um I, I, I'm a little surprised. The the heart ripping is something that uh, I think gets tried in a lot of movies, and it what makes this one work I think is the fact that the heart is still pulsing when he pulls yeah. it out of the body. I was really kind of impressed by that. And of course the the church burns to the ground and uh, the movie kind of ends. But we do have uh, uh, a, a, a little epilogue text that states that Stanley survived the attack. But after witnessing the fiery death of his classmates, he went catatonic from shock and was sentenced to Sunnydale Asylum, where he remains. Stanley's true fate is revealed as his face appears on the computer screen in the cellar with the words, By the four beasts before the throne. By the fire which is about the throne. By the most holy and glorious name Satan. I, Stanley Cooper Dick Smith, Smith, Stanley Cooper Smith, (laughs) will return. I will return. And they did burn down a real church. Yes, that yeah. was going to be that was going to be destroyed anyway. That's yeah, how they, that's how they, that's how they, that's what I mean is they really did luck out in this particular location because it's a good shooting location. The exterior looks right; everything fits. They can make they can shoot it in such a way so that it looks like it's part of the campus naturally because everything looks like it flows together. It wasn't it wasn't difficult for them to edit it, you know, edit it in this way. But the the fact that they could actually burn the place down is a major plus. It's just. That's great. So with that being said, I'm really glad this is over. Uh, I got more to say. Oh my God. How can you say this? Did you know that this film was shot in only three weeks? Three weeks. This is three weeks of film. Three weeks. Uh, exactly. A billion dollars. Three weeks. In 1981. These guys really worked their asses off. I think they did. And I'll tell you what. No matter what you think of the movie, there's a few things that you can't disagree with. Number one, the cast is great. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Cast. Everybody in it, and everybody in it does a good job. I agree. I, I mean, agree. everybody really gives it everything that they've got, um, and um, I think that's a big point to, to, in the movie's favor. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's just filled with awesome character actors from top to bottom, and Clint just rules. Yeah, and like I say, if there'd just been a couple of scenes where we get more of an insight into him and, and what he's what's going through his mind. I think it would sell it a little bit better. And Clint could have pulled it off. I mean, he's a good enough little actor at oh, that point. Have. I mean, he does everything perfectly that he's asked to do. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think he does a great job with it. Um, a couple of things sort of related to the movie, but if anybody has Shudder, I mentioned earlier that Joe Bob, this is available as one of the last drive-in episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. On that episode, he does, um, if you never watched it he does it just like the old monster vision episodes where he'll show a movie and break in at certain points where a commercial might normally be yeah and actually just talk about the movie and in the evil speak episode he has clint howard on as a guest and clint howard is possibly the best guest that show's ever had nice. he is just a treasure he really is he's he a blast yeah awesome stories about his entire career great evil speak stories and he just seems like such a great guy and Mrs. Hazard and I met Clint at a convention a couple of years ago, and he is just an awesome guy. So if you ever have a chance to meet him, you should. Um, he talked to us until we actually felt guilty about the people standing in line behind us. <laughs> um, you know, he was just so cool. And um, I got him to sign my Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray of Ice Cream Man. Nice. And he was very happy to sign it. And as I'm walking away, he leans over and says, you know... It really isn't a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clint, we know, baby. It's cool. But it's better than uh, this movie. I don't know. See, they're, I, they're both pretty solid. I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you okay. know, Godfather, Godfather 2, they're both great. <laughs> so, French Connection, French Connection 2. Yeah, you know. So my problem with this movie is it just moves too slow to get to the end. I do like the end. I do like the pig scene with the secretary. I think there's a decent story there. I just don't think it was done very well. It could be. It could be. It could, it be, could better. be better paced. I'll agree. Yeah, the you. cast. I'll, I'll give you that. The cast is really good. Yep. Yeah. And with that cast, you could have done a little bit better. It's just the movie. Just it just it's it just moves so damn slow. And the thing is, you can't really relate to Clint Howard that much. He's just a guy that's constantly getting beat down. Exactly. That's why, like I said, we need a little bit. We need a little bit more in his head so that we have some more sympathy for him, rather than just being the 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 guy getting the shit kicked out of him. Exactly. And maybe it's because I I really do like this movie, Um, and I think part of it is because I'm just a complete sucker for. Hold that thought. in here. Ah! Yeah, that's probably just Sarge. Probably drunk again. Yeah, well, you're a good dog. You gotta be quiet so he can't hear you, all right? All right, we're well, here. You like this, huh? One of the reasons that I guess I'm a sucker for this movie is I'm 
always an easy sell on carry ripoffs. And that's exactly what this is. Yeah, yeah. so like um, I love, and like a great double feature with this would be Fear No Evil. Yeah, but I don't really like Fear No Evil. The last time I watched that movie, I was just, it's not a movie that I thought was very good. It's not as much fun as this. Yeah. And another one that I like, which I know you don't like, is Jennifer, the... No, I like, I like Jennifer. You do? I didn't think you liked that one. Of course, no, that's got the power of Convy in it, so... <laughs> oh, God, I forgot Burt Convy was in that movie. That's How can true. you forget Burt Convy's in a movie? It's very easy. It's, it's incredible. But I really like that movie, too, so that always... It, there's, like, certain genres that I'm always pulled to, like, Deliverance ripoffs, carry ripoffs, um... Well, I think it's weird, because this is just a... It's a weird gender flip of Carrie. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of those kinds of films. I mean, the closest you would come would be something like The Fury. But those are those are more adult characters than, than teenagers. Yeah. If you're dealing with teenagers, the reason that, you know, the reason that Stephen King wrote the story of Carrie the way he did in the first place is just all those bodily changes that, that mm-hmm. a female goes through that causes, you know, that, that, that can be used as a crux to say, well, this is where that, you know, this thing manifests but this is very different in that there's nothing that manifests within him he's just a a poor schlub who decides to you know worship satan <laughs> and invoke his power so and his pigs <laughs> and his pigs sounds you know, like me in high school <laughs> but if, if, if you're gonna loan out the pigs of satan i'm just gonna go ahead and take a short-term lease so good i like this movie i think it's i think it's a lot of fun and I, your I point is valid. It, it could use a little more pep here and there. It could it could be a little tighter in the first, I would say, forty minutes. Yeah, that's true. But I, it still works for me. Thing I, is, I just don't really ever want to watch it again. I'll be honest. I don't. I, I honestly, I, I've the, probably seen it four times in my life, and I'm kind of done. The reason I bought it at the time, I, I just recently seen it when I was able to stumble across a cheap copy of it, and I the reason I picked it up was twofold. One. Well, why not? Yeah. Followed by, you know, it isn't terrible. There's a, there's stuff in it that I enjoyed watching. And I'm glad I have it because it's... I it, No, I'm not going to return to this film that often. But when I do get the urge to watch pigs attack women in showers, I have the film. I mean, this is your go-to. For yeah, that. for that yeah, urge. Definitely. We all get those weird urges. You know, hair grows into strange places and weird urges occur. And now I have... Pigs attack people in different places. Right. And now, now I have that. And I don't have to worry about it. That's true. Well, I will say once again, I can't emphasize enough, if you've got Shudder, watch this on the last drive-in episode that Joe Bob did with the Clint Howard interviews. It, they are terrific. That sounds like that sounds like a winner. Clint is just... Su- and he's... Great stories about his entire career, and he's just such a cool guy. So yeah, it really is worth seeing. In in the final analysis for me, this is a movie that I didn't pay attention to until until the digital age, until the twenty first century. I never saw this in the eighties or the nineties. I just it didn't hold any, any real interest for me. Although I do remember seeing the TV ads for it, and the TV ads did not entice me. So <laughs> <laughs> so. When I finally did get around to it, I have to admit I, I do enjoy this film enough. I do, and uh, it's uh, it's it's weird that uh, we're in, we live in an age when, my God, there's a there's a Blu-ray. Of course, it's out of print now. There's a Blu-ray with interviews with several of the people who worked in the movie and a commentary track with the director and all this you know all these different things that that are involved involved around a movie that took three weeks to shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I guess the the summer or fall of of 1981 and we can get we can still get some enjoyment out of it this is still this is still kind of fun but uh 
that's what we think. We enjoy it to a degree. Probably Hudson, for some reason, worships it. Bobby likes the last act. <laughs> that's about it. And I enjoy it pretty much all the way through in different ways, but it's really that last act that where this thing kicks into high gear. So you have been warned, a, a.k.a. you've been told... Uh, <laughs> oh, this movie rules. I'll get right to it. <laughs> This movie rules. Uh, and I'm the proud owner of an autographed 8x10 still of this movie where Clint is about to cut the guy in half with the sword. Ooh. And he signed it to John, stay sharp. <laughs> Clint Howe. That's, That's very nice. nice. Very, very nice. I, I'm a uh, whatever on this. I understand. I understand. I, believe I me. Just... Yeah, it's exactly what I thought my feelings were going to be before the rewatch. And I was a little surprised by how much I got, how much I enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's not the greatest thing in the world. But it's definitely a John Hudson movie. That's true. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm definitely surprised. a John Hudson movie. I'm surprised I didn't take quite the beating on this I thought I was going to get. I thought I was going to actually feel like Clint by the time this was over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait till we just wait till we turn the recorder off. Uh, still that's true. I'll be down on the ground watching my puppy get killed. <laughs> well, the thing is, we, we, we have spent some time training one of the attack cats to go straight for your left eye. So um, She hasn't come... She hasn't missed it by much so far. <laughs> She's These been cats pretty, are on the prowl. They are, man, something's in the air tonight. Regardless, folks, the next time the three of us gather in a pack and fend off attack cats and try to figure out how to say <laughs> something about a freaking movie like this, uh, we're going to be talking about, have we decided on Metamorphosis? No, I thought we were going to do Beyond Darkness. Beyond Darkness. We're going we're gonna to talk about the... Uh, the I thought we were going to do Evil Dead 5. It's the same movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. We're going to talk about uh, a little Italian-made movie made here in the States called Beyond Darkness. Uh, currently, you, if you look in the right places, you can still get the double feature disc that Scream Factory put out uh, paired with Metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually also available all on its own with a few extras uh, from uh, from Severin, I think. It's yeah, Severin. It's Severin. Yeah. And they had the limited edition cover that said Evil Dead 5. <laughs> Which... But that's it's good artwork. You get the artwork regardless of which which version of it you pick up. But uh, that is what we don't know when we will get to record again. But uh, our plan is to talk about that movie the next time the three of us sit down and discuss some bizarre ass film. We do just seem to be kind of wandering around in the Americas here, regardless of who's behind the camera. That's it's a fair that's a fire gasso film, isn't it? The, I the, believe the it perpetrator is. of Troll Two. Am I right? Oh yeah. Yeah, now we were in Australia not too long ago with Turkey Shoot. Oh, that's well, that's true. You're right. That's true. I keep thinking about the fact that we 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 did so we did so many Nightmare Beach. We did so many movies made by Italians in Florida there for a while, and it just felt like we were we were wandering around. And just to let you know, uh, me and me and HUD have a side band now called Nightmare Beach. Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, what what kind of band is this, by the way? It's um, well. My oh regu- God! You get that's a long pause. That means you don't know what you're well, doing. Well, I, 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 the way I have to introduce this, I don't want to diss somebody that I play with, but uh, I'll <laughs> just say that the rulers are on a temporary hiatus because of um, the vaccination protocols on ah. um, clubs. And I'm rolling up on the 30th anniversary of the first show I ever played. I kind of want to just do something fun. Yeah. And originally I was going to do it with those guys. Well, I can't. At least not for the time being because of somebody. <laughs> and um, it was just like, well, let's take the other guy and let's get 
Hut. Let's get Troy. Oh, Troy. Yeah, Troy was telling me about this. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we got Randy from Eat My Fucks, and uh, we're just going to cover a bunch of my old band songs. Um, I really said I wouldn't go and talk about it that much because I wanted to just go out and play a show and do a regular rock set. Cool. But it's just kind of we're going to do that. Nobody's heard of any of my bands. I'm just doing it for fun. I want to record it and kind of send it to my old bandmates and be like, hey, thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> but uh, I think eventually we're going to turn Nightmare Beach into a collaboration thing. Like, we actually want to write songs with you guys. You know, a couple songs here and there. Mm-hmm. No stress. Get some other people we want to play with involved here and there. And, you know, do something in the future just for fun. Yeah, because so far it's I'm having just a blast doing it. Cool. It's, a, it's cool. a lot of fun. And we sound, for a bunch of schmoes, we sound pretty good. Yeah. For, I can't. I can't wait to hear what you sound like. And if you get something recorded, throw me uh, throw me copies, and I'll throw them at the end of shows. And uh, right. sounds sounding pretty good so far. Right, just cool, a handful cool. of practices, so yeah, I think they, it's coming together nicely. The important thing is everybody's having fun. Yeah, and it. that's really what we want to do. Is good just bunch do of dudes. Fun. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, we are we are in Nashville, so that's a, you know exactly what I expect. Everyone I know to be in at least four bands. So. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if this podcast comes out in time, uh, November twenty first, Springwater. <laughs> Springwater, it, it should be out by then, but I have no way of knowing for sure because my God, well, if not, just cut this part out. out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's or staying in. We we performed at at Springwater on November twenty first, and we were great. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. Of yeah. course. How can it be any way other? Y'all missed it. It was amazing. Well, Hudson, thank you once again for doing this. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bobby, except for, you know, throwing your own name out there like a crazy person, you did a good job this time, man. Or is it my real name? Could have been a code name. I thought it was a code name. I might be lying. We don't know. We don't know, but I will say this. You better watch out because the attack cat is right behind you, man. Nah. <laughs> he's coming for you. It sucks, and he has his. He, he's got designs on your eyeballs. She's got designs on something. Yeah. She's, something's wrong with a cat. Okay. I mean, they need to be fed. That's what's going on. Yeah. They feed the, feed these cats before they come for our eyes. <laughs> we will talk to you again next time, folks. All right. See you soon. Yeah.